stories, spirituality, pathways, and aliens. You're here on The Long Road Home. Hello, everybody. I'm Chad. And I'm Emily. Welcome to another episode of The Long Road to Home. Woohoo! Yeah, sorry we missed last week, everybody. Emily had some family come into town the weekend prior, and we were just uh, wiped out. We, we were, were so wrecked. tired. Honestly, Man. still am. I don't think it's ever going to end. <laughs> I know, right? I think that we've had, we've had a couple of family members visit us in the last month, and... Uh, Whenever they came to town, man, we just didn't stop moving. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a heck of a couple months for us, but we're happy to be here with you once again. Yes, feet back on the ground, headphones on. We're recording. We're, we're doing here. It. <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing what we set out to do. Yeah. Uh, first, foremost, R.I.P. John McAfee. Yes. Emily that's just relayed crazy. the news to me that he uh, committed suicide. So allegedly, yes, allegedly, they have not. They're allegedly. investigating the death right now, but he did. He was found um, hanged in his uh, jail cell in Spain. So yeah, crazy ride for John McAfee. If y'all were not aware, he was on the run um, because he had tax evasion and uh, and cryptocurrency fraud charges in the U.S. So he had been living with his wife and four dogs on a mega yacht. And was caught, I believe, in October in Spain. So he's been in jail since then, and now... Now he's not. Now he's not. No, so yeah, John McAfee's a pretty crazy dude. If you don't know, uh, he's done a lot of different things in his life, but mostly he is known for his antivirus software and uh, marrying his own personal sex worker. Yeah, so, I didn't know that part. That's crazy. He I was wild. Like, he really was. I remember reading an article from him like years ago that he was like, I don't hire professional people. I hire hackers and people with mohawks because they don't give a shit. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. He's definitely <laughs> alternative in the tech community for sure. Um, I did want to just read this little clip from uh the Reuters article that covered his death um because I wasn't I knew that he had like a wild life but this little tidbit is just interesting so he said that in 2019 he had not paid U.S. income taxes for eight years for ideological reasons uh that year he left the U.S. to avoid trial largely living on that mega yacht like we said um he offered to help Cuba avoid a U.S. trade embargo using cryptocurrency he sought to run for U.S. president for the Libertarian Party. Uh, in 2018, he stated that he believed that he had fathered at least 47 children. Uh, and in 2012, he fled after police sought him for questioning in the murder of a neighbor. And like Chad said, yes, he did meet his wife, Janice McAvee, uh, when she solicited him as a sex worker while he was on the run. So, man, this guy, uh, yeah, he had a wild ride. Yes, he did. Absolutely. And you know what? Honestly, if he took himself out, that's the only way that I would imagine John McAfee would go after learning all that stuff about him. Yeah. Yeah, he did it his way. Don't we all want to do that? Anyway... <laughs> So, so wait, John- before we dive, in, dive into our episode, I did want to give an update on that UFO report. So today we are recording on June 23rd. That gives our government approximately one week to release that info on UFOs. Um, still no word on when that's coming out. It's supposed to come out by the end of, of June, but Congress has been meeting around it. So yeah, curious to see what comes out of that those meetings. Yes, so the news is there is no news. Exactly, yeah, basically. Yay, update. Yeah. So none of that has to do with what we're talking about today. We decided we'd take a funner route than we have been. We've been talking about some pretty, either like super uh, intrinsic, heady stuff or... Like conspiratorial. Yeah, stuff like that. So we're going to go with a little more fun. And we are revisiting one of our favorite topics, 
cryptids. Yeah, kooky cryptid episode, everybody. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. We both got two cryptids for you today. And uh, who do you, who wants to start? Do you want to start? I could start. Mine kind of go together. So I Oh, like, you want to do both of them at the same time? I kind of was thinking it would make sense for me to do both of mine at the same time, but I can also split it up too. Actually, I can definitely split it up. So yeah, rock, paper, scissors, I don't know. Okay, that's you know what? I'll just go first. Mine's Deal. first on the list. So yeah, guys, we're, we're talking cryptids today. I'm excited because I love cryptids. I love weird shit. And this definitely falls into that category, especially the ones that we pick. I don't like to do like classic. I mean, some of these, I mean, it's hard to not be like a classic cryptid anymore because there aren't any new ones and I don't know why. But um, I like to look at some of the ones that maybe we don't see as much in like uh, TV shows and stuff. So I think yeah, that's, that's what I picked Yeah, some underrepresented cryptids. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the first one that I picked actually did have a documentary about them. It was very strange. Really? And, yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh I don't know. It was it's a it's a weird documentary to me. It seems like they're trying really really hard to make it very serious, but it's it just doesn't feel like it would ever be serious to me. We were talking about the Hopskinville goblins uh, from Kentucky. All right, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So before we begin, I'll thank my sources for the go- for the goblin portion of this episode. <laughs> I have all that's interesting. dot com, history. dot com, and Wikipedia. So pretty straightforward. Yeah, always wiki is coming through. All my teachers who ever told me I'd never use it. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong and you're outdated. Yeah. It's Bring 2021, in some youth. you guys. Wikipedia's fine. Okay, so let's go ahead and start. The Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, aka Hopskin Hopkinsville Goblins case, or the Kelly Greenman case, was a claimed close encounter with extraterrestrial beings in nineteen fifty five near Kelly and Hopkinsville in Christian County, Kentucky, in the United States. Ufologists, or ufologists as we like to call them, mm. regard it as one of the most significant and well-documented cases in the history of UFO incidents, while skeptics say the reports were due to the, uh, quote, effects of excitement and misidentification of natural phenomena, and which we'll talk about in a little bit. So I don't know if I totally agree that this is a major UFO story. I think it definitely it shaped the UFO community, which we'll talk about that. But in terms of like what the substance or the substance 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 of the story, it is uh, <laughs> it's a little light. Yeah. But let's go ahead and talk about it. So the story begins on the night of August 21st, 1955, when a large extended farm family called the Suttons arrived breathlessly at the Hopkinsville Police Station in southwestern Kentucky. Residents of the farmhouse included Glennie Langford, her children, Lonnie, Charlton, and Mary, two sons from her previous marriage named Elmer Lucky Sutton, uh, John Charlie, J.C. Sutton, and their respective wives, Vera and Aileen. Aileen's brother, O.P. Baker, and Billy Ray Taylor and his wife, June, were all there as well. Man, that's a bunch of Kentucky names if I ever heard. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> especially Lucky. We got um, Lucky. Lucky and J.C. Yeah, and Billy Ray. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, also, interesting note, the Taylors, Lucky and Vera, were reportedly uh, <laughs> itinerant carnival workers that were visiting the farmhouse. Oh, so they were on a little they vacation. Were yeah, so they were taking a break from carny life to come enjoy just living in a house. So, <laughs> got, yeah, got that shelter life. Mm-hmm. Their story of a terrifying siege by otherworldly beings would become one of the most detailed and baffling accounts of an alien close encounter on record. Notable for the large number of witnesses, nearly a dozen, the duration of the encounter, and the close proximity between the witnesses and creatures. The incident quickly became regional and even national news. 
So, the alleged encounter occurred on the Sutton's farm in the tiny rural hamlet of Kelly, Kentucky, where the family lived in an unpainted three-room house without running water, telephone, radio, TV, or books. You know, it's really funny because I was going to say earlier when I was like, shelter life, I was going to be like, yeah, get that running water. But then I actually stopped myself because I wasn't sure if they would have running water. And they didn't. Yeah, I was you right. kind of hit the nail on the head. Maybe their carnival life uh, was better. I don't know. Maybe that's why they weren't there all the time. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, one more thing. I think it's important to note that uh, Glennie Langford is, I guess, like the matron mm. of the, the the home. And she did not allow, according to her, she did not allow drinking or alcohol or any substances in her home. Wow. Yeah. And I was going to note the fact that it specifies that there weren't any books in the home. Yeah. So like this was just a, a really, really dry environment. Yeah, it was. No wonder they were so excited. Yeah, excited is the word for it, yes. (laughs) So when the eight adults and three children arrived at the nearby Hopkinsville police station at about 11 p.m., they appeared to be genuinely terrified and shouting all sorts of stuff at the cops. Apparently, the then police chief, Russell Greenwell, thought this was pretty odd for the Suttons. He later told investigators that these aren't the kind of people who normally run to the police for help. What they do is reach for their guns. That also sounds like Kentucky. (laughs) In what may be my favorite part of this story, an investigator seems to have been shocked at one of the men's pulse, which he measured at 140 beats per minute, which is like on par to a medium intensity workout. So this should tell you everything you need to know about Kentucky. There's no need to visit unless you decide you want to challenge the entire state to a foot race. Also, I'll say the police chief seems to really be able to read a room. I don't think it took him long to realize that these people had already tried shooting at the aliens. <laughs> and they did. They definitely took a couple shots of at least. Of course they did. It's a cryptid episode. Yeah. What else, What other episode would it be if they weren't shooting at it? Exactly. Uh-huh. So what did the Suttons have to say exactly? According to accounts given to the police, at about 7 p.m. on the hot Sunday evening that it occurred, the Sutton family friend Billy Ray Taylor was fetching water from the backyard well when he saw a silvery object, which he called real bright with an exhaust uh, of all the colors of the rainbow. As Mm -hmm. he recounted, it came silently towards the house, passed over it, stopped in the air, and then dropped straight to the ground. Billy Ray Taylor, who was 21 at the time, and uh, his 18-year-old wife had come from Pennsylvania to visit Lucky, with whom he had worked with on a traveling carnival. So there's our carnival connection. That's how it all comes together. The Suttons, who we named all of them earlier, they did not take Billy Ray seriously at all, and they kind of laughed off what he told them, because he came home, and I'm sure it was like, you should have seen it. It was out there in the sky. It floated, and it was silver and crazy. And uh, they were like, just read the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to like, talk about right. this. Just open up that Bible yeah. and forget what you saw. An hour later, alerted by the dog's incessant barking, Lucky and Billy Ray went to the back door and made out a strange glow in the midst of which they spied a small humanoid creature. About three and a half feet tall, they say it had an oversized head that was almost perfectly round. Its arms extended almost to the ground, its hands had talons, and its oversized eyes glowed with a yellowish light. The body gave off an eerie shimmer in the light of the night's new moon, they said, as if made of silver metal. So, the dog freaks out, as with any good horror movie, and Lucky and Billy Ray, being the crazy carnies that they are, decide to go, we'll go take a look at it, and we'll protect this home. And they get out there, and maybe they've bit off a little bit more than they can chew, because these aliens look creepy. Yeah, I was going to say, they sound a little different than than our... you know, our average gray alien. They do. And it reminds me of kind of like uh, the aliens from the, shi- uh, not the shining, God, uh, signs. Okay. I yeah. feel like it's a similar vibe, but like smaller and uh, like a little scrawnier, but like still kind of like weird, lanky looking creatures. talons. Yeah. Ooh. According to them. 
So the two men obviously were terrified. And uh, what did they do? Well, they grabbed a 20 gauge shotgun and a 22 caliber rifle and fired at the little man. Its hands Jeez. now raised as if held up at gunpoint as it came towards the back door. So it's hands like, were up. <laughs> the hands Wait a minute, fellas. And they were like, "We're not. Uh, we don't. We're not taking questions. Yeah, we're, we're not just gonna going take to chance. shoot at this thing. It's crazy looking. So yeah, they. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to say as a as a human what I would do in that situation when you see something that foreign. I would like to think I wouldn't shoot at it, but um, you know, all the science points to the fact that I would shoot at it. Yeah, because everyone shoots at that it. That seems to be like yeah. the standard reaction, and I wonder if it's just kind of really hard to act rationally in that moment. I know? guess. I don't know. But um, you would hope. You would hope, especially with all of our knowledge and training, yeah. <laughs> that we would you, handle it a little better. But you think like these were carnival people. They've seen hair, bearded women, right. very hairy men, uh, giant men, little men. You think maybe just for a second they were like, maybe this is uh, our friend. From the carnival. Yeah, but you would think if anyone didn't. would be understanding, it would be the carnies. Yeah, right? I guess um, not. Well, yeah. <laughs> Shortly after, the men saw a similar creature appear in a side window and fire through the window screen. So another one showed up. Popped its head up, took a shot. It missed, apparently. Uh, they say it was still it was impervious to bullets. Mm. But uh, when they shot at it, the little man flipped, like did a little whoop, and flipped backwards and disappeared. Um, Mrs. Langford told Isabel Davis, author of an extensive report called Close Encounter at Kelly and Others of 1955, that, quote, I went out in the hallway and crouched down next to Billy when I saw one approaching the door. It looked like a five-gallon gasoline can with a head on top and small legs. It was a shimmering bright metal like on my refrigerator. The men, uh, that's the end of her quote. Yeah. The men claimed that they spent nearly four hours shooting at 12 to 15 of these short, dark figures. And honestly, that's pretty fucking wild to think about. Just laser guns pointing across Jordan and Bobby's heads. Bobby, get down. They're aiming for the ethanol we've been drinking since yesterday. If it catches, we're all dead. Um, and you know they weren't listening to Mama Langford. They definitely had some sort of liquor, I would imagine, being carnival workers. Yeah, you, you is that sliding? Stash? Is that sliding carnival workers? If I worked at a carnival, I would be slam hammered drunk constantly. So I'm just assuming. I, I don't know. You know what? I don't think that the carnies of 1922 are gonna be able to take offense. So okay, that's I think fair. I think that's, uh, if, that's if you okay work in a say. carnival and you travel with them, let us know because I do want to know what that's like. Sounds wild. But I will say, you know, after a few hours, don't you go like, okay, are they attacking us? Yeah, or are we maybe, attacking or them? Maybe we should slow our roll and like... They're like, help, we're already seriously injured. They're like, no, we're crash. not even going to give them a chance. <laughs> well, the drama continued to escalate into the night. At some point, Taylor tried to sneak outside under a small overhanging roof, probably to get a better uh, view so he could mm -hmm, shoot at him. Mm -hmm. And those behind him saw a claw-like hand reach down and touch his <gasps> hair. The group screamed and pulled Taylor back while Lucky shot above the overhang and then at another similar creature in a nearby tree. It floated to the ground and then scurried into the woods. I want to see uh, Billy Ray Taylor played as David Spade in a horror alien yeah. comedy. I could totally see David Spade shooting a fucking shotgun into a roof like, ah, that I, weird Joe Dirt scream. Oh, yeah, I, but I, I was going to say that this feels like another Benny Hill moment. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> So the Suttons moved inside and spent several hours listening for movements, hearing mostly occasional scratches on the roof. At 11 p.m., the whole group decided to do something, and they ran for the cars. They hightailed it to the Hopkinsville police station at top speed, and that's where they told their story. Gotcha. Yep. So, So yeah, yeah, they tried for a few hours to handle it on their own before they went to the cops. Huh? Yeah, they did. They tried their damnedest, and it just didn't work, apparently. 
What so, did they think the cops were going to do? Oh. I, I, fuck, call the National Guard, and yeah. they kind of did. So oh, I'm shit. not entirely sure how much the local police cared about the alien story. What they were concerned with, however, was a possible gun battle between local citizens. Mm. So they sent out four city police who were joined by five state troopers, three deputy sheriffs, and four military police from the nearby U.S. Army Fort, Fort Campbell. Wow. Uh, yeah, so they took a drive to the Sutton Farmhouse to assess exactly what had happened. Their search yielded nothing apart from evidence of gunfire and holes in window and door screens made by all the different firearms that they were shooting. The next day, neighbors told two officers that the family had, quote, packed up and left after claiming the creatures had returned at about 3.30 in the morning after they had came and checked everything out. And uh, this is where the story probably would have ended if it weren't for the fact this was the biggest thing to happen in Kentucky since probably ever. (laughs) The local news picked it up, and before long, it was making national headlines and drawing all sorts of attention. Pretty soon, the Suttons were getting even more unwelcome visitors coming from all around to see their farm. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, people started cramming in. Gotta get those looky-loos. Yeah, Yeah. and so they put up no trespassing signs, but apparently that just did absolutely nothing because they don't. Right. And so the Suttons did what any good American would have done. They charged admission. Of course. They did, uh, and so they charged 50 cents to come onto the property, a dollar to ask questions, and $10 to take a picture. So Take those were your options. The fucking holes that they shot in their <laughs> house. <laughs> this is where I shot oh, a hole man. in my roof fighting aliens. I want to see that picture. Yo, I do too. So once they started to charge, though, the tides seemed to turn on the Suttons a bit, and they were very soon accused of making the entire story up just to make a buck. Like there were a lot of doubters to begin with, but when they were like, "Well, now you need to pay us money to come see it," they were like, "These people are full of shit." Of course, this is like a pretty classic trope here. Yeah, it just, this is like this just happens. This just Tends to be the sequence of events when there's a strange sighting. Yeah, absolutely. So as regular folk walked around aimlessly around the farm, there were also numerous investigations taking place into the validity of their story. Bud Lidwith, a local radio station employee, interviewed the adult eyewitnesses and made drawings based on their accounts. According to Davis, he was impressed by their remarkable specificity and consistency, even though the men were away from the farmhouse all day unable to coordinate with the others. So at least they had their story straight, whatever had happened. One of the most thorough investigations of the Kelly incident was undertaken in 1956 by ufologist Isabel Davis. Uh, This work was published several decades later by the Center for UFO Studies, a group founded by astronomer Dr. J. Allen Hynek, or a Project Blue Book civilian investigator. Her nearly 200-page report, co-written by Tim Blocher, includes detailed maps, drawings, documentary records, summaries of similar accounts around the world, and interviews with several Sutton family members and police investigators. That's right. Our tax dollars went to some poor schmuck who had to write 199 pages of filler to complete this assignment. In Davis' report, she summarized Blocher's concern about the lack of physical evidence. But, according to Davis, none of the possible explanations, a deliberate hoax, a publicity play, group hallucinations, made sense to her. While questions arose about whether the young men were exaggerating, possibly fueled by hidden stores of liquor, mm-hmm. Davis's strong impression after meeting Mrs. Langford was one of a sober, no-nonsense matriarch who abhorred the limelight and had no reason to lie. None to the witness, David noted, had any history of making preposterous allegations. And that's what she makes the story like kind of strange. Woman. She yeah. seems not so much serious as just like very much like an old Southern lady. Just like, we don't drink, we don't, we don't chew, we don't wear pants. You don't think that sounds like a serious woman? I guess serious is also another word for it, yes. <laughs> yeah, somber. Just somber. A very, um, yeah, no nonsense is the word they use. And that's, no nonsense. That's the vibe is, yeah, I'm getting. Absolutely. So ultimately, what the Sutton saw was never really determined, though. 
Apparently, there had been some other sightings of a meteor that night, which could explain the spacecraft, while others attribute the creatures themselves to have been great horned owls. That kind of seems like a stretch. I it's feel like these people stretch. would know what owls look like. Well, not even so much that. It's just like, why... <laughs> Why would there, so many of them aggressively harass the family? Right. There was like 15 owls just like <laughs> grabbing at Billy Ray Taylor's hair. Yeah, that almost is like, okay, well, then what the fuck happened with those owls? Yeah, what's if going on owls, with them? If it's owls, then they're still, it's still a weird situation. Yeah, it's all very strange. <laughs> uh, if it is owls, it still leaves me with more questions than <laughs> yeah. answers. So, uh, but here's something that I thought was in, like, I, I came up with this uh, in mm. my brain. Aliens are often associated with owls. So, uh, yes. it, the fact that they were maybe seeing those, if that's what it was, maybe what if those owls are animorphs? <gasps> it's like some sort of fucking creature, oh, right? Oh, well, Alien robots. And uh, we don't know for sure, so I will assert that yes, these aliens were in fact shapeshifters. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'm that's what's happening. I'm here for this happening. theory. Could be. <laughs> and uh, once again, though, I do want to know, I, would, I, I enjoy the thought of like 15 angry owls just going after somebody. <laughs> Yeah, what did he do? Like, how many owls could you kill before they killed you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I yeah, I they're big. Like, Great horned owls are pretty big. I mean, like a dozen owls. It's a lot per <laughs> like for one person. It's a lot of claws. Yeah, that is. That's a lot of talons. Know. A lot of feathers. Oh, talons. We're coming we'll get back. You. <gasps> Yellow eyes. You can't break their neck because their head spins all the way around. So you can you <laughs> go to break their neck. They're just looking at their buddy, <laughs> and then they come back to you. I don't know. I don't know how many owls I could fend off. It's a good question. I'm going to have to think about that. Yeah. That's what I'll do when I'm going to sleep tonight. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting though, because owls have talons. They owls do. Owls have yellow eyes. They do. But they're not three feet tall. No, they're not. well. Great horned owls are pretty big. Are they I don't, three I don't feet tall though? I don't know if three feet tall's uh, uh, that big, but right. Um, I do know that they are significant, and if you were a drunk carny, maybe something. It could have seemed like that. But yeah, I still, I don't know. It, it feels, seems like a stretch. It feels like a stretch. Yeah. Well, regardless of whether or not the Sutton story is true, their story has inspired the UFO community for decades. Steven Spielberg actually drew lightly from the story when coming up with E.T., which I didn't know. Hmm. Yeah, and this is actually the, the incident that prompted the phrase Little Green Men. From what I've read, what the Sutton saw was metallic in color, like I mentioned earlier. Right. But either the news reports ran with green to jive with previous stories of little green or of green men, but, um, or at some point their story was actually blended with another Kentucky UFO sighting that involved a large green alien. Oh. So at some point it all got kind of mixed up, but the uh, the thing that shut out the other end was little green men, and that's where it came from. Weird. Yeah. Go figure. And uh, well, today. There's a fabulous festival to celebrate the Suttons leaving Kentucky. Oh, I didn't mention that. They had to leave. Um, after everyone turned on them, they just left. They just fled. Yeah, they got Aww, out of town. poor Suttons. Went to join the carnival. They were like, we didn't ask for the aliens to come. and and. Well, I don't know. It happens to anyone who sees UFO. You're ostracized in uh, one way or the other, but you can't charge money to come see the holes you shot in the wall. I mean, you just can't. I understand the instinct. They probably had never had attention like that, and they're like, what do we do with this? We don't want people to just come. Well, let's charge them. It'll either deter them or we can make some money from it. It yeah. makes sense. It does but it work. also is a pretty classic trope, and it also makes sense why people would begin to question them. You know, it kind of. Yeah. I see both sides. Yeah. Well, today, there's a fabulous festival to celebrate, uh, you know, what happened. The town of Kelly hosts the Little Green Men Days every year to mark the sighting and ensuing gun battle. What? Drawing thousands to come and ask themselves what really happened in Kelly, Kentucky. Hmm. And honestly, if they're real, I'm really, really disappointed they didn't suck the eyeballs out of Mitch McConnell oh and leave him God. floating in space. <laughs> 
God, things could have been so much different if they went to his house and sent that little bastard into the sun, some light years from where we are. And he would just have been a little kid, and they would just launch him. Yeah. Oh, he wasn't born in 1922. (laughs) He's fucking (laughs) an ancient turtle. But anyway, a man can dream. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, One last thing. This story also inspired a Pokemon called Sableye, which is one of the strangest Pokemon that, honestly, I'm not a huge fan of, but I still think it's pretty cool. Oh. Yeah. He's a weird-looking dude. Um, Also love Pokemon. So if you like Pokemon, let me know. We'll play some Pokemon. And that's my story. Nice. That was a good one. Yeah. I, I knew of the goblins, but I didn't know that much of the story. So that's super interesting to hear. Yeah, uh, I really liked it. I liked learning about it. Like I said, there is a documentary about about the the encounter, I guess. But um, it is just it's hard to explain how serious they're trying to make it come out as. Like, yeah. it's <laughs> it's laughable. Like, really, it is. It's yeah. hard not to like. It's something you would get like wine drunk and just watch and be Absolutely. like, "What the fuck are these people talking about? This get is silly." And yeah, watch some people try to be really serious when talking about goblins. Yeah, little green men. Okay. So interesting. Yeah. Great story, Chad. Thanks. Well, what do you got for us, Emily? So I um, I had an idea of what I was going to cover this week. And then in diving into one, uh, another cryptid kind of came to light. So I think I'm going to do both oh, okay. in and my turn, I'll, if I'll that's finish okay. Up. Okay, that's fine. Um, but today, I wanted to talk to you about the white things of West Virginia. And no, we're not talking about the Klan men. <laughs> no. No, we're talking about some kooky cryptids. My sources for today's story, or my part of the story, um, are Mysterious Universe, cryptidsfandom.com, and themothmanfandom.com. All right. Okay. Nice subtle Klansman joke, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, you could definitely just uh, the white things you could of West stick Virginia. this title onto them very quickly. I know. Yeah. I really was, I was trying to like write up some other jokes, but I was like, move on, Emily, get to the story. <laughs> Um, this cryptid comes in many shapes, sizes, and demonstrates different behaviors, but they are always fierce, strange beasts that have come to be known as simply the white things, or sometimes the white dogs or white devils. They can be traced back to native Cherokee lore with the legend of the white wolf. These mysterious wolves were said to be stark white and much larger and more powerful than your average wolf. The sighting of one of these creatures was said to be a bad omen, They were seen as the heralds of death. According to lore, they are only visible to those for whom death is coming, and to see one is to essentially seal your fate. In Appalachian regions, there were sightings of extremely large white wolves, or dogs, loping around. Various tales covered all kinds of animals, including white bears, badgers, lions, and even cows. (laughs) Oh, cow, white cow. Whoa! (laughs) Spooky! It's so interesting the way color comes into play with stuff like like black cats white cows stuff like that um it feels like a weird omens are weird man um and it does make you question when looking at some of these stories if if um people were just not familiar with like albinism yeah <laughs> and like, what it meant for um an animal to be like devoid of color yeah um but yeah, the more predatorial creatures stemming from Cherokee lore wolves dogs lions etc are always said to be stark snow white, sometimes with glowing red eyes, hence the albinism theory. And they are sometimes reported to be bipedal, sometimes not, sometimes both. Um, I put here in parentheses, lol, they did say many shapes and sizes. Could have been anything. (laughs) Right. But they are almost always vicious, devious monsters, attacking with little provocation, but oddly not leaving behind any injury. Oh, weird. 
In her book, Monsters of West Virginia, Rosemary Ellen Gilly describes them aptly. Quote, They are covered with long, shaggy, snow-white or dirty white hair, and they often have immense jaws and fangs. They move at lightning speed, sometimes on two legs rather than four. Sometimes they seem to have too many legs. Their chilling screams sound like a woman being raped or murdered. Whatever they are, they are bloodthirsty and attack without provocation. The attacks are so real that people actually feel the beast's fangs tearing into their flesh. But when the attack is over, they are shocked to find not a mark on their body. However, the beasts rip up animals in the fashion of a werewolf, tearing out their throats and mutilating their bodies, and leave corpses bloodless and without a trace of blood around. Like all mysterious creatures, the, there are variations in descriptions of white things and even labels. Some of the white mystery beings are called white devils, for they have red eyes and long, sharp claws and are able to walk and run upright. Some of these beasts have a connection to cemeteries, not an aversion, and thus are death omen creatures. So not only are people seeing these, they claim that these are the things that are like mutilating their livestock and stuff. Yes, there's a lot of cases huh. associated with the white things that include like a cow that's been mutilated with no blood left behind. Oh, weird. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. So it's kind of, it kind of like, there's almost like if you could like put a Venn diagram of kooky cryptids and like other mysterious stories, like cow mutilations is a part of this story, but we've heard of cow mutilations and like UFO stories as well. So that's just interesting to me that yeah, that's a commonality. Cattle, cattle, cattle mutilations are pretty common in any sort of strange paranormal, like chupacabra is the same thing, right? They're fucking with stuff. Right. And- but like the, the, the nature of the corpse is always super interesting. Yeah. And I didn't expect to see that when looking at the white things of West Virginia. Like, No, not at all. Anyway. These creatures are often described as being incredibly fast, at time even seeming to teleport from place to place, adding to their general ghostly nature. They are also said to have incredible leaping prowess. And I put here my joke, white things can't jump. Oh, good uh, one. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got it? Like, yeah, White I Man Can't Jump? But- yep, great movie with Woody Harrelson, if you haven't seen it, and Wesley Snipes before he got in trouble for all those tax things. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Um, one report given from the site Cryptoville says of them, quote, For a very long time, people have told me about the white thing of Raglan, West Virginia, a small community outside of Del Barton, West Virginia, in Mingo County. Just, you know, really to get really specific about this location. Um, Several trusted friends of mine had told of their encounters with the thing. One friend said it could run faster than anything he'd ever seen in his life and that it stood up on two legs like a man and was tall. The other two friends were on an ATV beside the railroad tracks at the edge of dark and seen a thing run across their path on four legs like a dog, then jump on a stack of railroad ties that are four and a half feet tall on two legs before leaping in excess of 10 feet to the hillside. Hot damn. Mingo County. Woo. Yeah. These boys, who were 15 or 16 at the time, were very shaken up and crying when they returned home. I don't know anything else about the things in Ragland other than that I trust and believe my friends 100%. They aren't the only ones who have had these experiences. All I could link them possibly to is the reported satanic worship that was said to have taken place in the bottom, up the road from 24 Hollow, which is right beside a battery shop in Ragland. Yeah, there's no better place to worship Satan than by the battery shop. Uh-huh, that's where that's where I heard it happens. Yeah. I don't understand why everyone, anything that, like, it seems scary, they're like, it's satanic. It's satanic. Yeah. It's, it's a definitely, ritual. Definitely all those 
oat milk drinking fucks sitting down there <laughs> in the church in L.A. bothering yep. y'all in West Virginia. Seriously. Um, it's very silly. They are not the only ones to have these experiences. Sightings and frightening encounters have occurred all over the state. A majority of documented sightings can be accredited to white things, West Virginia's Weird White Monsters by Kurt McCoy. And some of these sightings get even weirder. Take the account of an unidentified hunter who was out in the West Virginia wilderness with some companions. They were making their way along a remote trail when they saw a hairy white animal, like a large white dog with a bushy tail, pounce upon them out of nowhere while issuing a blood-curdling scream that echoed about and incited great fear. Whatever this thing was knocked the hunter down the hill they were on, after which he began to wail with a mixture of fear, panic, and pain. When the others caught up to him as he was inconsolable, screaming desperately that the creature had badly mauled him and ripped out his guts, but in reality, a quick inspection showed that he didn't have a scratch on him. It was obvious that he was not hallucinating because the people with him had seen the creature as well. So what's going on here? How could something appear to these people, attack, and then leave no injury behind? Yeah, it's pretty weird that a couple people saw it. Yeah. And then... That happened. Yeah, they saw it, and then he was having a reaction as if he had been attacked, but yeah, he hadn't, or he had, but... You know, sometimes, uh, and it happens to everyone, you think you're dying when you're actually not. Uh, sometimes it's because you took a little too much acid that was too strong, <laughs> and you didn't realize it, and now you are convinced you're dead. Sometimes a white thing comes out of the woods and rips you asunder. Yeah, I don't think that hallucinogenics were involved in this particular tale. But yeah, takes all kinds. It does. A similarly bizarre experience was reported in 1929 by a coal miner named Frank Kozel, who on this evening was walking home through a wooded area near Morgan's Ridge in Fairmount, West Virginia. As he made his way through the dense brush, his thoughts were interrupted by the sight of a very strange creature standing not far ahead, which he described as being the size of a large dog with an extremely large, powerfully jawed head, a bushy tail, and covered with pure white fur. Almost as soon as Kozel saw the thing, it pounced on him, biting and clawing at him ravenously, but seeming to inflict no real damage. Similarly, Kozel's efforts to punch and kick at it not only did not hurt it, but did not seem to hit anything at all, as if he were trying to fight a ghost. His strikes were passing through thin air. Although it didn't seem to be able to hurt him, he certainly knew it was solid to some extent, as its weight managed to push him over and cause him to stumble several times as he retreated through the trees. Throughout this whole terrifying ordeal, the creature made no sound, completely silent, creating a surreal scene where this man was being savagely attacked by this spectral beast to the jarring symphony of birdsong and other peaceful sounds of an otherwise calm forest. So there was no sound this time? There no, no sound blood-curdling scream? Nope. Okay, so sound is not consistent with the white things. Not consistent, No. This report seems remarkably similar to the previous one, with a vicious attack leaving no physical wounds. So it could be the same thing. But if so, what was it? Another odd report is that of a witness who saw a large brownish-white horned creature crawl from the underbrush while out hiking on a remote trail. Its coat was apparently shaggy and matted to the point where the witness could not tell whether the creature was a mixture of brown and white or if it had a white coat that was just so filthy that it had a brownish hue. Isn't that the same thing? <laughs> no, so he's saying he didn't know if it was brown and white or if it was just like all white but really dirty. Okay. okay. Yeah. 
whatever it was, reportedly was surrounded by gag-inducing potent smell of sulfur. The witness said this of the bizarre creature, quote, The creature moved on all fours as it breached the brush line and knelt to drink from the creek. Its front limbs, the only limbs I saw clearly, ended in what were markedly paw-like hands. Its head was long and pointed like a canine's, and it had largest horns, not antlers, but single-point horns. It drank for a few minutes, then crossed the creek and continued across toward Sand Hill Road. When I was sure it was gone, I turned and ran as fast as I could back toward the pond where I'd parked. It's a pretty detailed description you got there, bud. Yeah, uh, he crazy. got a good look. Yet another account was given by a woman named Melissa, who says at the time she had been driving down an isolated country road with her husband one evening. The night was dark and quiet. Just the shadows of trees and flickering lane lines floating past outside. But then, out of the night, they saw the form of something crouching on the road, brought out of the dark by the approaching headlights. Quote, About 50 yards ahead of us was something in the road. It was on all fours and was snow white. It was bigger than a dog, way bigger. As we got closer, it turned and looked our way. Its mouth opened and it stood up on two legs and began running across the road and up through the woods. I never said a thing. All I could do was sit there stunned. A few minutes later, Joe asked if I had seen what he had seen. Unable to answer him, I began to cry. It's a bad answer. You gave him a bad answer. <laughs> I want to know what, like, if you, something like that happens, you got to tell me what's going That's on. That's indicative of how terrifying it was, Chad. She couldn't even summon the words. I, I guess. I don't know. I just feel like if someone asked me what I saw, I would immediately tell them. Like, yeah. Could you fucking believe what we just saw today together and describe it to each other back and forth like Betty and Barney Hill did? Right. So our story is straight. Gotcha. I don't need to cry about it and 30 minutes later half forget what I saw. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to come and That's draw it. That's the inner it. scientist in you, though. The creature in this particular case seems almost like something more like a Bigfoot. And indeed, many of the white thing reports give this impression. The diversity of appearances suggests almost something of a shape-shifting variety, although what that could be is anyone's guess. The accounts of these fierce white beasts are so erratic that the terminology of the mysterious white things has grown to become almost an umbrella term that includes a menagerie of pale white beasts that encompass even hairy hominid creatures like Bigfoot. Indeed, the creatures collectively known as the white things come in a variety, in a wide variety of types, to the point where they don't really seem like they could all be of the same origin. I did want to note, however, that there was a subcategory on several white things wikis dedicated to the more Bigfoot-like tales, and he is sometimes referred to as Sheep Squatch. Sheep Squatch. Cool. Is that your next cryptid? Then? So that's my next cryptid. I All wanted right, cool. to hone in on this one particular yeah, white you got thing a funnel of West system. Virginia. Uh huh. Very nice. Start We're broad, gonna... go narrow. Yes, exactly. Cool. So let's talk more about Sheep Squatch. Well, before you start, I think it's interesting. Like, it's the white things, the way that you describe them, especially there at the end. It reminds me more of like a ghost, the way mm. that they can shape shift and, uh, and stuff. So, absolutely. And you hear a lot of in the South, you hear about like ghost animals a lot. Like, I heard uh, growing up, I heard a lot of stories about like ghost dogs and stuff really? on the side of the road. Yeah. I did not. 
Yeah, I heard a lot about it. It's like, I'm from like the rural Appalachia, and so like that was pretty common uh, to hear about those types of things. And that's what that reminds me of. Oh, I'm so here for those stories. Yeah, they're they're. I mean, yeah, I'm. They were really wonderful, and they kind of freaked me out when I was little, and for I sure. liked them. So yeah, yeah, and then like the dogs, especially the way there's so many canine ones in what you described. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to know why there's a cow that's still. I'm still wondering about that. About why? what? The ghost, the white the, cow. The cow that was included. Yeah, yeah. Know, there was a cow and a badger included. You know, people like were just sitting around fucking fire camping and like they all had a cool story and there was one guy that was like oh man well i saw a white cow Whoa. <laughs> they went shut up billy ray yeah. serious here make him eat this snuff oh man shove snuff down his throat he just wanted to be included and instead he got picked on because of his uh bad storytelling <laughs> his story was lame yeah if you're gonna tell a story you should be able to tell it well if you can't you should keep it to yourself Mm, <laughs> or until someone, it's, until it's ready. someone will make you eat snuff if you don't. Oh no! Yeah, at least in West Virginia. Um, okay, so across a large swath of West Virginia, including Boone, Kanawha, Putnam, and Mason counties, there is said to be lurking a hulking creature, which is really hard to classify. Starting from around the mid-1990s, there began a string of sightings of what was described as a pure white woolly bear-sized beast with a pointed head topped by goat-like horns, a snouted face with long, sharp teeth, and a long, hairless tail said to be reminiscent of that of a possum. That's an interesting part to me. I think I, like, glazed over that in my mind. I did not remember it having a rat tail. Yeah, it is weird. Um, It's got the mange. Yeah. Often reported as accompanied by a pungent, sulfurous stench, the creature was at first simply called the white thing, and would later garner the name Sheep Squatch. Although it does have some differences than our OG Sasquatch. Yeah. Okay. Just in terms of like size and the color and obviously and the, the fact horns. That he's a sheep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the first sightings of this bizarre creature started coming in 1994, and perhaps the earliest report a group of women claimed they had been driving along a treacherous icy road in a location in West Virginia known as the TNT area. Um, oh, sound shit. familiar? Yeah, if you don't know what that is, yeah, go listen to our Mothman episode. It's kind of where he was chilling for a long time, hanging out. That's exactly where he was initially, seen. He was initially yeah. seen. Yeah, and so, I mean, I think it's like, what, 30-some years later. But interesting to note that this sighting took place in the same place where Mothman was originally yeah. seen. Um, According to witnesses, they were then surprised by a large creature which lumbered out of the woods in front of them, described as being around seven or eight feet tall, covered with shaggy white hair and a pointed snout, ram-like horns, and human-looking legs. I don't know why that bothers me so much, the human-looking legs part. I'm assuming the legs were still covered with hair. I don't see that. Like you when you see said it, like I just saw legs. like bare ass like human, human legs. legs. Yeah, I would hope not. <laughs> that would be really. That would make it even more creepy. It would. For it would sure. make it so much worse. Um, the mysterious creature allegedly froze for a moment when the headlights hit it before running off into the dark forest. It's ass flowing in the breeze. <laughs> Cheeks clapping. Yep. In the distance, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> He must work out. Oh, man. Um, Soon after this report, others came pouring in, and there were numerous sightings made in 1994. In one account, a former Navy seaman out hunting observed the same creature emerge from the forest to crouch at a creek to drink before continuing on its way. So that was the story I actually covered earlier. Yeah, yeah. We were transitioning into the sheep squash. Anyway. 
That witness claimed to have watched it for several minutes and said it had human-like hands. In another account, a motorist spotted a tall, robust creature on a hillside that was covered in white fur that appeared to be like rags hanging off its body. In that very same year, there was another rather high-profile sighting made in Boone County by two children playing in their yard. The children reported that a beast that looked like a white bear walking on its hind legs was making its way through the underbrush on the periphery of the property when their startled screams had sent it in a mad bolt through the forest, leaving snapped saplings and tree branches in its wake. Later reports of the sheep squatch would take on a more threatening tone. In 1995, a couple was driving along when they spotted a white bear-like creature hunched over in a roadside ditch. When the couple slowed down to see what it was, the creature had then stood up on its hind legs to reveal that it was no bear, but a rather massive beast with a horned head and oddly four eyes. That's a weird thing to add into the sheep squatch story. I know. So the white things story in general is just very vague and basically is an umbrella term to cover like any white creature, creepy creature. But like, yeah, they all have different features. Four eyes. Southern people are dramatic. They're just trying to outdo one another. That's this true. This one had four eyes. Really? I've seen it. Yeah, you've never seen anything like this one. <laughs> no, there's But maybe he just had glasses. <laughs> hey, could have, could have. I don't know. The thing then allegedly dashed at their car in a fury, slashing and banging at the side of the vehicle with great force before the terrified couple sped away. They claimed that when they had reached their home, they discovered that the side of their car displayed wicked scratches that looked like they had been made by claws. Pretty spooky. So yeah, he leaves he leaves a trace, just not on your body. Yeah, which is interesting. Because <laughs> uh, he's not getting those legs wrapped around you. Those human as soon as he does though, like legs. Yeah, then uh, you're done for. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, in 1999, there was another such frightening encounter when some campers heard what they at first took to be sounds of bear grunting, huffing, and moving about out in the darkness beyond their camp. Already a little spooked that a bear was in such close proximity and not sounding to be in the best of moods, the campers were truly in for a shock when out of the brush came crashing a hulking white blur, which let out a blood-curdling, unearthly scream. There's a scream again. Fleeing for their lives, the campers briefly looked back to see the sheep squatch standing at their camp glaring at them. Allegedly, when the campers returned the following day, their campsite seemed to have been totally ransacked by a large animal of some kind. In yet another apparent attack by a sheep squatch, an account outlined on a 2013 episode of the TV show Monsters and Mysteries in America, two hunters claimed that a giant furry white beast over nine feet tall had let out an ungodly gut-curling growl before running towards them in an aggressive manner. I am very surprised no one has shot as Sheep Squatch yet. Yeah, no guns, no guns in my story today. Yeah, and it's in West Virginia. I know. And so, uh, boy, Sheep Squatch got off lucky. And they're hunters too, but yeah. yeah, nobody's talking about shooting at it. The most recent report of Sheep Squatch occurred in 2015 when a group of six unnamed campers saw it while camping out in a place called Folks Run. One of the campers reportedly saw the creature crouching menacingly atop a hill at around midnight. Ooh, that'd be super spooky. After which he went to warn the others. It was then that whatever it was stood to its full height of eight or nine feet and started running down the hill towards their camp. Yeah, I'd probably uh, piss my pants. That's probably when we'd start <laughs> shooting. I'm just saying. Something came at me like that. Yeah, That's absolutely. when you start shooting. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Apparently, a river stood between the campers and the creature. But after trying in vain to find a way around it, it simply waded right into the rushing water to slosh towards them. <gasps> yeah, that river water is pretty cold. Even even the sheep squatch cannot avoid that fact. He doesn't want to get his balls wet because then there's shrinkage. Right. And then you got to go. You can't scare people with a tiny dick. You really can't. You can't. Yeah, so you're trying it. to find a way around, but unfortunately... He had to slosh on through. Yeah. Um, by this time, all of the campers had gathered to watch the strange monster coming through the river towards them. And when it emerged, they could see it looked like a huge white bipedal dog dripping water from its soaked fur. The campers reported that there had been a shriek from out in the forest from something else. <laughs> something else? Yeah. And apparently this had frightened the creature, which then whimpered and slunk off back into the woods in apparent fear or passiveness. Weird. What can scare a sheep squatch? I don't know. Maybe you it was know? like his mom. Could have been. Like, don't mess with those campers. You get your ass back over here. <laughs> no, mom. I'm already shrunk. I've already <laughs> dipped my balls in the water. I'm coming. I'm halfway through the river. To attack these people. But yeah, that's also kind of spooky. Not only did it like run directly at them and then tried to fjord a river to come to them, it got scared off by something else. Yeah. <gasps> What's a god to a non-believer? It's Kanye West, <laughs> Jay-Z. Interestingly, at the site of the famous Mothman sightings, like we had talked about earlier, uh, there was another report of an odd entity in 1973. The sighting took place at the TNT area, and the witness says that as he was driving through the area with his family, they saw a figure described as mostly white with no wings and real thick shaggy hair with the head three feet wide. Damn, you wow, got a big head. That's a big head. I like that they have to they have to like make sure that they, they let people know there were no wings. Because otherwise, because everyone knows it's fucking Mothman. Right, exactly. And he got the wings, so I mean, no wings. Only... Hmm. Raises some questions. Definitely. And I mean, so Mothman sightings was in like, what, 1966, 67? So this was only a few years after that, five or six years after. Although it did not have wings, it nevertheless hovered in the air. And floated alongside the vehicle as they tried to tear out of there, uh, reaching a speed of 65 miles an hour before it apparently either gave up or got bored and flew off into the night. Cool, floating stuff. So, floating white thing. Yeah, that's weird. But no wings. Yeah, just chasing cars, beating, tapping on windows. Hey, you guys got any gum? <laughs> I need a breath mint. Um, with the wide range of physical descriptions and abilities, it is hard to even discern if they are related in any way or not. And white things seems to have become merely the go-to term for any of the many stark white mysterious entities apparently haunting the woods of West Virginia. And that's my stories. Those are cool. my stories. Very nice. Uh, I liked all of them very much. I like Sheep Squatch. I like the thought of Sheep Squatch. I did too. I had never yeah. heard of Sheep Squatch, but I'm, I'm here for him. It's a pretty good one. I, I I can appreciate that guy. So, but you just your theory though is that this is just like a ghost dog. Well, I don't know about Sheep Squatch. Oh, Fuck. yeah, he's different. Uh, he's a little different. Smaller ones that can jump really. It's like maybe they're just floating. You know what I mean? And so I I do think that uh, the white things. It sounds very much like. Ghost, ghost, ghost entities. Yeah, yeah. But I've uh, growing up, I have heard, and once again, I am from rural Appalachia, and I've heard Goatman stories about people seeing weird shit like that in the woods. Hmm. Yeah. So who knows? The sulfur stench is interesting. That leads me to like lean towards demonic entities, but. I mean, that's yeah. just if you. That's what. You that's believe, just when you, you associate know? sulfur with demons, though. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. Or whatever we perve demons to be yeah i know anyway whatever just the, food for thought something to whatever chew the on books say right yeah 
All right. Well, I have one more monster, and then we're, that, that'll be our, you know, we'll wrap up after that. But uh, I'm going to talk about another creature from uh, West Virginia. Wow. Yeah. West Virginia. This is really is a just like spot. Southern cryptid hour. I guess so. Really, all these are from just like the backwoods down south. <laughs> So we're Backwoods talking cryptids. Yes, we are talking about the Flatwoods monster next, mm. and this one also is—I uh, don't know if prominent is the word, but you might have heard about this one before. I wanted to look more into it though because I've always heard about it, but I didn't know, really know the story. So uh, I got my sources from cryptids.fandom.com, history.com, Wikipedia, West Virginia Gazette and Wikipedia again. So great, Wikipedia coming in clutch. Yeah, man. Okay, as so. always. Yeah, and also, you are right. What's With all the weird creatures coming out of West Virginia, there's so many of them. The college must have some weird chimera building program. Oh, shit. You I think don't know. So? You think they're making cryptids in West Virginia? spitting them out over yeah. there. I also think like it may have something to do with uh, uh, just the fact that Mothman became so popular that everyone else was like, we got to figure something out. We got to jump on this bandwagon. We want some of that tourism money. Totally. And so I think people started to see things. I don't know, though. Or maybe the Mothman spark, like... Maybe the Mothman sighting just sparked curiosity in people, so they were just looking harder it in could West have. Virginia. Yeah, they started getting those uh, uh, psychic entities mm-hmm. being manifested and whatnot. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into this. Cool. So let's just start with the story of the Flatwoods monster. Great. Uh, the May brothers, Ed, 13, and Freddie, 12, had been- Ed pl- and Fred. Ed and Fred had been playing around <laughs> terrible. Don't ever that's, do that to your kids. A, don't, just don't do it. Let them be individuals, man. They don't have to have matching letters. They don't have to have matching sounds. Yeah, just don't do it. let them be people. So the, Ed and Freddie had been playing in their schoolyard with their 10-year-old friend, Tommy Hired. Around 7.15, they noticed a red pulsing light streak across the sky and crash onto a nearby farm. Sound familiar? Kind of uh, similar to the story I talked about earlier. The three youngsters ran to grab the maze boy's mother, then hightailed it up that hill to check out where the light had landed. A few other boys, one with a dog, showed up too. I like how you included the dog in the story. Well, he's an important character. (gasps) Oh, great. Yes, so as they walked up to the hill, the dog started barking. It ran out of sight over the top of the hill to go, I guess, uh, see what was going on. Mm. And moments later, the dog ran back to the group with its tail between its legs. It did not like what it found. Oh, no. Yeah, it wasn't a fan. So the group was undeterred by that weak-ass pooch, though. Oh, no. Uh, they didn't care. They said, get out of here, you chicken. They oh, no. sent it home. And after traveling about a quarter of a mile, the group reached the top of the hill. And there they reportedly saw a pulsating ball of fire about 50 feet away. They also saw and smelled a mist that made their eyes and noses burn. Mm, so weird, Sulfur, right? maybe. Mm, could be. One of the group members then noticed two small lights over to the left of the object and directed his flashlight towards them, revealing the creature. (gasps) The entity was initially reported as being about 10 feet tall and 4 feet wide. Wow. It appeared, it's pretty big, it appeared to be some sort of robotic suit or spacecraft rather than an organic (gasps) being. Iron Man. Weird. Uh, Well, cow. (laughs) It had a cowl in the shape of an ace of spades behind a red, round head. Set in the head were two eyes, described as portholes, glowing green-orange and the size of half-dollars. The body was a metallic armored structure lined with thick vertical pipes. Discrepancies exist in the actual color of the armor, some claiming it to be black, while others say green. Green seems to be, like, the go-to. It does. Uh, So, I don't know about the green. The existence of arms is also a similar matter. Most state the monster was armless, while others claimed it possessed small toy-like arms, kind of like a T-Rex. Well, once it had been seen, the life form made a high-pitched hissing noise at the boys. In a flash, the creature, apparently levitating off the ground, began gliding towards the group. 
And uh, this isn't just a Catholic priest out in the wild, is it? <laughs> oh, it's pretty good when Catholics they uh, the priests they don't like they they love they, they don't like they love, they love. little boys. Oh my god, I forgot that. I that's did. documented. I could say that you can. You're not wrong. It's rampant in the Catholic Church. That's um, all we're talking about. No, it's not. <laughs> that's um, interesting. Interesting tangent. No, but I was just gonna say I forgot. I actually I totally know of the Flatwood Monster. Spooky oh, good. guy, yeah. I'm sorry, I, but your description reminded me. I was like, "Oh yeah, I know this guy. Spooky, wonderful." Continue. Well, the boys watched as the creature flew towards them, but at the last minute, changed direction. Instead of colliding with the group, the creature was heading towards the ship. Terrified, the group fled away from what they had just seen to go home and tell their moms, who probably don't remember the story because they were most likely full of housewife drugs from the 1950s. Oh no, they don't make tranks like they used to. No, you could just get them. <laughs> they would just give them to you. Boy, I'd kill for a uh, quaalude. Oh, my God. <laughs> for me. <laughs> That's for me. All right. The Maze Boy's mothers has seen it, too, though. And upon returning home, that mother contacted the local sheriff and news reporter. The reporter conducted a number of interviews and returned to the site with uh, a farmer later that night where he reported that, quote, there was a sickening burnt metallic odor still prevailing. Mm. So odor still there. The sheriff and his deputy searched the area separately, but neither found a trace of the encounter. Early the next morning, the reporter visited the site of the encounter for a second time and discovered two tracks in the mud, as well as traces of a thick black liquid. Mm. Weird. He immediately reported them as being possible signs of a saucer landing, based on the premise that the area had not been subjected to traffic for at least a year. I like this reporter. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> I just like how he just like, he was like, yeah freaking aliens let's do this this yeah. is definitely a saucer yeah exactly like next day yeah, he was even. he was there and he was trying really hard but uh, it was later revealed that the tracks were likely to have been those of a chevy pickup truck driven by a local oh. yeah they had gone to the site to look for the creature some hours prior to stewart's discovery so they were up there looking come for something. on man you gotta know that it looks like just like chevy tracks like this is an Alien. This is an alien. <laughs> Definitely not my neighbor's truck. Still just driving off down the hill. Yeah. <laughs> the news quickly got hold of the story, which got the attention of the nation, at least for a bit. The paper wrote that, quote, seven Braxton County residents on Saturday reported seeing a 10-foot Frankenstein-like monster in the hills above Flatwoods. Frankenstein-like? Yeah. A National Guard member, 17-year-old Gene Lemon, was leading the group when he saw what appeared to be a pair of bright eyes in a tree. It may have had calls for hands. It was hard to tell because of the dense mist. Ooh. So that's what the newspaper had to say about this. Uh, so I guess there was like some older boys in the group that had went to see what was going on as well, and this was one of them. Um, after being picked up by national radio and big papers all over the country, Mrs. May and that kid were actually asked to come to New York to CBS to tell their story on uh, TV or radio or whatever there was back then. Uh, don't know. Kid don't care to look. So, <laughs> But wow, I bet that was a pretty big deal for oh, yeah. those little... Farming kids, West Virginia. Oh, I'm sure. I thought they were, they were like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to this little tiny town. It was a strange thing that a couple of us saw, uh, allegedly. So, as the tale made the rounds on the national news circuit, the people of West Virginia were coming up with their own ideas about what happened. Some believed the story. Others thought the entire event had been made up start to finish. Local newspaper publisher A. Lee Stewart said that, you know, I just realized I haven't been doing my southern accent at all, so I'm just going to go ahead and give yeah, Stewart one. Yeah, let's, let's get it. Let's hear it. Those people were the most scared people I've ever seen. People don't make up that kind of story that quickly, Stewart said. Uh, he was apparently completely sold because <laughs> he yeah, he Sounds went like out it. looking for it, marching up to the side of the event with a shotgun in his hand because, once again, we literally can't not shoot at something that looks different than us. 
Right, um, he was probably going to capture it. Yeah, I'm going to kill it. Yeah. Donate my body to my freezer, my meat freezer. <laughs> the state police took a much different approach. They just blew it off. They did not care about this at all. They saw it as nothing more than a little hysteria. Uh, they say as the story passed around the so-called monster, it had grown from 7 to 17 feet in just 24 hours. So their reports were just getting bigger and more ridiculous. And red eyes. Yeah. And claws. Mm-hmm. And he could fly. And it had a bigger dick than my papa. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, man, okay. Uh, I think it's interesting that after the event, investigators associated with civilian saucer investigation obtained a number of accounts from witnesses who claimed to have experienced a similar or related phenomenon, which is Ooh, weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So these accounts included the story of a mother and her 21-year-old daughter who claimed to have encountered a creature with the same appearance and odor a week prior to the September 12th incident. The encounter reportedly affected the daughter so badly that she was confined to a hospital for three weeks. People just couldn't handle seeing anything back then. I have seen so many terrible things on the internet. If I saw an alien, I wouldn't blink. Yeah. These, <laughs> I just wouldn't. <laughs> these guys did not have access to the internet like Nothing. we did. It's back so in weird like, to what, think 2008, that, when yeah. you could just hop on and it's watch like you, somebody get to tap, decapitated. You think you saw an alien, and it just, like, your psyche was so shocked, you just had to spend weeks in a hospital. So it's I crazy would say, I still think about the story that we heard on Knife Point Horror like a while ago, and it was talking about this man who had a creepy encounter, and it was it was basically like he'd like seen like the devil or something wa- like looming over the mountains. That's how big it was. It was walking through the mountains. Yeah, I think about that story a lot. And knife point horror is just like spooky stories. Like it's definitely fiction, but there's that one story of the guy who sees what he equates to be the devil. That's like literally so tall, it's looming over mountains. It's like walking through the forest. Do you remember that? Yeah, and he. He has like a reaction. He's like, I can't even comprehend what I'm looking at right now. That's just what this reminds me of. It's like if you see something that completely is beyond the reality that you know, yeah, bro, I think your brain's fucking broken. I think you're spending weeks in the hospital. Yeah, makes you crack. I think it would make you crack. I mean, like, yeah, maybe if we saw a UFO flying through the sky, that wouldn't happen. But if you were just like minding your own business and all of a sudden a 12-foot metallic creature with glowing red eyes and a sulfur stench just like walked by you think you'd just be like oh it's chill i don't know what i'd do to be honest i i might not even get up i don't know <laughs> there's yeah. so much crazy shit going I on i think you i think i know you well enough to say that if that happened to you you would decide that that you didn't actually see that that your brain was broken and that yeah, you were dying. Yeah, I'd be like, that's it. Yeah. The schizophrenia you'd, you'd like, is here. Yeah, one hundred If that like we could both be looking at it and you'd be like, take me in. Yeah. I'm going. This is that was it. You know, this is it. I'm no longer a person. <laughs> like I love your confidence and your ability to hold it together. If you were to see something crazy, but I think that you would just question your yourself and be like, oh, I'm crazy now. <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's why I would ignore it. Just just don't think about it anymore. That's why you... Okay. I I, I see what you're saying. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, so there was that encounter, and they also gathered a statement from the mother of a local farmer, which she said that at the approximate time of the crash, her house had been violently shaken, and her radio had cut out for 45 minutes, and a report from the director of the local board of education, in which he claimed to have seen a flying saucer taking off at 6.30 in the morning on September 13th, the morning after the creature was sighted. 
Wow. So lots of accounts. Yeah, so they say... We should also note that the day after the Flatwoods incident, a couple taking a leisurely drive through the mountains of Frametown, West Virginia at dusk were met with a similarly horrific experience. Their car came to a sudden stop and refused to start again. Shortly thereafter, a putrid sulfuric odor filled the air. The couple, circling the vehicle in hopes of spotting the culprit. <laughs> the culprit of what? Right. Uh, not sure. But <laughs> yeah, what did you think you were going to find? Like little like, Jimmy under your car yeah. just clipping wires? Like... <laughs> Uh, well, they thought they were finding something, but apparently they found, found something far worse than what they could have imagined. From the waist down, it was similar to the Flatwoods monster, but from the waist up, it was a reptilian <gasps> humanoid. Oh, shit. Yeah, this creature, thought to be the same creature sighted in Flatwoods, is known as the Frametown Monster. So maybe we have a predator situation going on where he took his helmet He's off. He's wearing a suit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very strange. I'd buy it. Yeah. Regardless of all this, the creature never did show its face in Flatwoods again. No doubt, thanks to Ailey Stewart, his shotgun, <laughs> and probably some terrible, terrible things he shouted into the dark by himself up there. This was West Virginia in the 50s, after yes. all. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but if the group had, in fact, seen something ordinary, just what could it have been? In 2000, Joe Nickel of the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. Mm. That is... An absolute bummer of a group of people. Absolutely. I bet. The, the committee of party poopers. <laughs> Literally, they might as well change their name to that. I can't imagine talking to them for any length of time would be fun. They just would just knock everything you say. Yep. They concluded, though, that the bright light in the sky reported by witnesses on September 12th was most likely a meteor. That the pulsating red light was likely an aircraft navigation or hazard beacon. Okay. And that the creature described by the witnesses closely resembled what else but an owl. What is what? It's the only thing they got there. I don't why, know. Why? Why would they say it was supposed to be metal, like a robot, a 10-foot tall robot? And yeah. we're going to say it was an owl. That, okay. The other one seemed like a stretch, but this one is just nonsense. Okay. The only, so hear me out. Okay. I'm I hearing. could see it. I'm listening. But only if it was like it was sitting on a branch the right way. Oh, okay. If there was a tall enough like weird bush and the owl was on top of a branch, and the branch was right on top of the bush, and the owl was, uh, was like the head, and then that weird <laughs> And like thing. The, the, the shape of the flatwood monster body yeah. was just like outlined in, Literally. in a bush well, and a tree. Because a... you got to think about the tiny hands. They look like little claws. Um, <laughs> and then the gliding effect of like it coming at them and then going... Yeah. That also, like I could see that, I guess. But I'm not going to join the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. Okay, uh, This you. was an alien. Yes, absolutely. An alien in alien armor. Yes. Uh, Nichols suggested that witnesses' perceptions were distorted by their heightened state of anxiety. You were just gaslighting. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he is also notably for being against uh, the entire concept of fun. <laughs> His opinion, that, I just made that up, but I, know, I would imagine I he was very grumpy. He sounds like a grumpy guy. Yeah, he's, he's the type of guy that uh, doesn't give out candy on Halloween. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not even apples. Yeah. His lights are off. Off. His opinion is shared, though, with most of the sticklers of the world, including the U.S. Air Force and other investigators. Of course. Yeah. Apparently, though, the meteor we mentioned had been observed across three states that night, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. According to Nickel, three flashing red aircraft beacons were also visible from the area of the sightings, which could account for descriptions of a pulsating red light and red tint on the face of the supposed monster. All right, so there's also another little quip about the event. Uh, apparently, like we talked about those tracks earlier, 
And uh, the local boy who had made those tr- those truck tracks, his name's Max Lockard, and he did admit that he had driven around the site hoping to see something. But paranormal investigators apparently did conclude that the tracks, oily residue, and bits of a rubbery substance must have been left by a creature and not the truck. Oh. Don't know how they came to that conclusion, but uh, they were just like, "No, you're wrong." So he was like, "Yeah, I definitely drove that area," and they were like, "Okay, fine, but this isn't from." So you. you're saying <laughs> you didn't leave this rubber on in the dirt for us, did you? Um, so but like, why would there be rubber in the dirt? I don't know. You know, like, did he blow a tire? <laughs> Could have been. Maybe he just had some. I don't know. Uh, but so apparently they are. They decided that whatever tracks they had seen were not from his truck for some reason. Interesting. Yeah. Well, even if it's just unproven folklore, the tourists seem to keep coming. So locals did that most earthling of things. They made bumper stickers, shot glasses, and giant monster-shaped chairs that whole families could get into and have their picture taken with while sitting in the monster's scary, embracing I arms. I mean, you have to. You gotta. <laughs> Why not? You uh, gotta make a t-shirt. They did. Not only did they make a t-shirt, they created the Monster Museum. And nice. they put signs up on highways on both sides of town that say, Home of the Green Monster. Green just must be spooky. Well, like it's a just, green creature. It's like there's not that many green things. Yeah, is that it? Like it's so weird that we just fall to the green men, the green monster. Like it is weird that the that accounts was, don't say anything about. That I just, color. I, I just think that maybe at some point things got muddled, like they did with. I mean, that's where little green men came from. Was a muddling of, of right. actual details. Yeah, and uh, people just clung to it. Yeah, totally. For a long time. So from spring to fall, or peak tourist season, hundreds of people a week stop in the spot, Flatwoods Ice Cream and Sandwich Eatery. They eat the Flatwoods Monster Burger, which is a double burger with double cheese because we're in the South, and they look at all the historic monster photos and news clippings hanging on the wall. The museum has artifacts, including a chunk of the oak tree that the monster had floated out from behind of. They just went there and took a chunk out of the tree. That's the tree that he was behind. This is the tire from the truck. (laughs) (laughs) That man drove up there. Uh, there have been mim- attempts to mimic the success of the Mothman Festival, who, if you remember, also hails from West Virginia, like we've talked about a billion times. But the Flatwoods Monster Fest has just never caught on. Aww. Yeah, it's kind of a shame. I think that would be really fun to go. Yeah. That would, well, you could that do would like a cool. monster tour. Yeah, do a monster circuit and do just every single little town having their festival. That would be a That blast. would be great. Uh, get your shit together, West Virginia, and go ahead and make that for us so yeah, we can man. come out there. We'll come. Yeah. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. But uh, real or not, the monster has helped the little town out in a big way, uh, just through you know money and a little recreation tourism and stuff. And maybe one day it'll come back, and they can thank it by not immediately shooting it in the face. The end. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. That was great good. story. So I do have one more thing. Okay. I found something really interesting looking up information on the Flatwoods monster. Okay. So one of the people who really tried to push this story uh, when it came, because he understood the value of the story, was a man by the name of Gray Barker, a Braxton County native who investigated the monster. It was Barker who wrote about Flatwoods, then introduced the mythology of the government men in black, after he heard that two Air Force investigators had reportedly shown up in Flatwoods posing as magazine writers. We've talked about that. Yeah. Gary Barker is also the man who wrote the fake FBI letters to who else but George Adamski, which we (gasps) mentioned in our UFO religion episode. What? Isn't that weird? That's so weird. Yeah. So uh, he's the one that, he's all over the place. 
So he, why are all of these stories so interconnected? It's because I think it it was a small community totally. in the fifties. Like yeah. it was a lot of the same people all doing the same things. Yeah, a new and, story uh, would come out, and they would all go. Yeah, and, and they would. That and that's person. I love that. I, lo- yeah. I think that's so cool. And what a I think cool thing to be a part of. It is. I think that's why I like the Yeti episode so much, is because it was a small group of intrepid explorers going yeah. out there, and it's very similar to the UFO boom in the fifties. You got a very a handful of people that were very involved and sort of like. Uh, just became legends As, like in the essentially UFO community. establishing this entire yeah. like, narrative exactly so cool yeah that's pretty that's pretty fun fact i thought i would share that so weird. everyone would enjoy it but i yeah. didn't think we'd have any people from that story come back up i know right but here we are here we are yeah but that's the episode hell yeah, yeah. good to get back into some croup well wow <laughs> some croutons group crouton croupons Good to get back into some kooky cryptids. That was really fun. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that one. It was a blast. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much more to talk about. It just feels good to get back in the swing of things. Yeah, it does. We're happy to be here. We're going to be much more regular. I I know I've said that over and over again, but we are trying our hardest to to adjust to our new place. There's just a lot going on right now. I have a job again. Yay! Yay, I guess. (laughs) Um, I'm just a cog in the machine. Oh, but, hush. Um, no, You're I'm, part I'm, of something really cool. I am. I am uh, part of a really cool conservation agency in town. I'm very happy to be part of them. But yeah, things have been crazy, and I'm just I'm happy to every chance that I get to make these for you guys and for us to be able to get together and make them because we, we do our, we're just crazy busy right now. It's, it's ridiculous. In this post-pandemic world, yeah, it's just hard to it is. be normal. Yeah, we need more... Uh, uh, commercials to encourage us to get back into that lifestyle i need everyone to shut down what? yeah <laughs> absolutely just take I me the i need to see that green man walk across the window so i can just lose it and just be done with it but we're here and we're gonna keep bringing we're you back. content yeah man so keep an eye out and uh yeah if you want more content join the discord you can find a link to our Discord on Instagram at the underscore LRH underscore pod. And follow us on there. We post very regularly, and you can stay up to date with what's going on in the, in our podcast. So join us there. That's right. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the LRH pod. And you can reach us via email to send us all of your creepy, kooky, wild, and weird stories at the LRH show at gmail.com. Yes, we've been making, uh, we made a call on Instagram for it, for people to bring their stories to us. And if you'd like to share, please do. We'd love to hear from our listeners. That would make me so, so happy. Uh, lastly, well, not lastly, but if you want to contribute to the podcast, you can join us at Patreon at patreon.com slash the LRH podcast. We have three tiers on there, and any contribution is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you, as always, to our wonderful patrons for supporting us and believing in the show. We love you guys. Um, I'm trying really hard to get everything together for that patron uh, episode. Yeah, spooky um, stories. It's going to be fun. I'm excited about that, and I will have that to you as soon as I can. Thank you so much for helping us out on there. We appreciate it. Also, if you are listening on a platform that you can rate us on, please do. That helps so, so much. It's totally free to do that. Uh, just leave a rating, a comment. Let us know what you think and uh, what you like about the, the show. We'd appreciate that, too. Yeah, it makes our day to see those reviews come through, and it helps us get a little uh, wider reach, too. So It does. You can really support us by clicking that that star button. Yeah, speaking of wider reach, go subscribe on YouTube, too. Oh, I'm hell I'm still yeah. posting episodes over there quietly in the background of everything else that's going on. I'm posting one a week, so go over there and listen. Give it a like. It's uh, That would help tremendously, once again. Uh, any sort of like just love yeah. is so so appreciated. Smash uh, that subscribe button. 
Yeah, I know I said appreciate it like six times now, so I'm not going to say anymore. It's Don't a, say it again. packing it back up in my brain. Okay. Yeah, but that's it. Yeah, that's all the things. We said them all. So. Awesome. Well, that was a fun episode. I'm glad we, we decided to do that this week. Yeah. It's going to be a blast. We a got, little lighter. Yeah, we got tons more episodes coming into your ear holes in the coming weeks, so keep an eye out. And as always, thanks for joining us on The, the Long, Long Road, Road Home. Home. See you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later.